This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. talk for a number of different shows about the importance of honesty and ethics in business. And we know that when God has called you to live a life of purpose and to really make a difference and to represent him in the marketplace, all part of your leadership legacy, there are scenarios that can disrupt that leadership legacy. So as we begin this conversation over several episodes about honesty and integrity, I just want to remind all of us about what often gets in the way and how is it that we get tempted to get off of the center of honesty and integrity to do the wrong thing. And in the book of 1 John, we're reminded of three areas that are temptations for people. The first area being what's called the lust of the flesh, the second being the lust of the eyes, and the third being the pride of life. And these are the temptations that most inappropriate behavior falls into one of those three categories. So Satan, who's very crafty, has been using the exact same strategies for many, many years, all the way from the beginning. So if we even go back to Adam and Eve and their account in Genesis, the third chapter, we will find that the serpent said to them, eat this fruit, you know, that's been forbidden. And of course, he twists the truth of what God had said about it. And he was tempting them to do what God had said not to do. And that's how it usually all starts, is we get tempted to do something that's been prohibited. And the enemy comes up with the reason why this is an exception, or why this is a good idea, even though God said it wasn't a good idea. So in the case of Adam and Eve with the forbidden fruit, he told them, he said to Eve, oh, your eyes are going to be open, that you're going to be like God, knowing good from evil. That sounded pretty good. You know, it sounded like something that maybe she would like to have happen to be like God, sort of like the pride of life. Yeah, I'd love to be like God. Get out of the lane of just being a human, if you will. And then he said, when she looked at it and she said, that tree is pleasant to the eyes. It's good for food. So the lust of the eye is there and even the lust of the flesh, good to eat. It looked like it was going to taste good and it was pleasant to behold. And the devil also said that this fruit was desirable to make her wise. Now, from a human perspective, it can look like we're getting a good deal. I'm going to be wise like God. I'm going to know good from evil. And yet the enemy always leaves out a part of the story. 
So some of the things that he left out, what he failed to say was that as a result of eating the forbidden fruit, they would lose this beautiful fellowship that they had with God. They talked to God in the garden face to face, person to person. Well, that was no longer going to be the case because God is holy. He wasn't going to be in their polluted presence in the same way as he had been before. And although they wouldn't die immediately, yes, God had said, when you eat this fruit, you will surely die. And indeed, death did enter into the world. So everything was subject to decay. Everything had an expiration date, if you will. And humans on the earth then started to die. Now, it might have also sounded good to know good from evil and be like God in that respect. But what the devil forgot to mention was that we would be unlike God because unlike God, we would not be able on our own to do the good that we saw. Whereas in God's case, God is good and his nature and essence is good. It's no problem for God to be good all the time. Whereas in our case, yeah, I know good from evil. However, I have no power to do good all the time. He didn't mention that. So the cost of all of these supposed benefits really was not worth it because the cost was far greater than the benefit that Adam and Eve received and that we received because we are the descendants of Adam and Eve. And he also didn't tell them that they would get kicked out of their home. God had made a perfect garden for them to live in where the food grew by itself. It was plentiful. It was beautiful. Everything they needed was provided. It was all there. However, after eating the forbidden fruit, ultimately they got kicked out of the garden. God also cursed the ground so that when Adam went to get food and to harvest plants, it was now hard work and the ground was resisting him. So that was certainly a consequence of doing what God said not to do. Now, if we also fast forward and go to the life of Jesus, and we see a period called the temptation of Jesus as recorded in Matthew, the fourth chapter. And Jesus had been on a 40-day fast, 40 days, 40 nights, no food, no drink. And that's a tough spot to be in because physically, right about that time, you want something to eat. So the devil comes along and says, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And basically he's telling him, you can do anything you want. You can turn these stones into bread. And Jesus remembered what the scripture said. And he says, man shall not live by bread alone. So he got through that one and through this whole thing about what could be the lust of the flesh. Here you are starving. You're famished after 40 days of fasting. And that could be real tempting to turn these stones into bread. And he didn't do it. Then the next temptation was throw yourself down off of this high pinnacle and prove that you are the son of God. 
Because after all, the scriptures say that the angels will take charge of you and you won't even dash your foot against a stone. And of course, Jesus said back to the enemy, no, the scriptures also say that you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So he didn't have to prove who he was. He knew who he was. And all of this was just a scheme of the devil to come up with something to entrap him. But he got past that also. And then the third temptation was he showed him all of the kingdoms of the earth. And he said, I'll give you all of this if you'll fall down and worship me. And of course, Jesus being a good Jewish boy, and that's how he was raised, understood from the basis of being raised in the earthly life and also from his pre-earthly life, eternal existence, knew God the Father is the only one to be worshipped. And so the Shema and the Hebrew scriptures certainly say we are to worship God and him only are we to serve. Well, Jesus knew that. He wasn't going to worship the devil. And all of this was really an invitation to sell his soul, if you will, to the devil. And so when we are in the workplace, there are so many temptations that come our way that relate to honesty, that relate to integrity, where the devil offers an opportunity to sell our souls. Maybe it's being in a situation where you could offer a bribe to someone and that might make things seem easier. It might make the road seem less difficult, at least temporarily. Or so we might see it from a human perspective. Or maybe you've got some buddies and you are unfairly advantaging them as contractors for a particular service and service delivery, rather than going through the proper protocols and procedures that becomes an integrity issue. Or maybe the local crime bosses in your town, they they want you to do them a little favor. Just this one time, do this for us. And the enemy always says, is just this one time or just this one compromise. But what we know is now you've opened up a web that you get caught in, you now lose your own freedom and you become a slave to the enemy. So now the crime boss comes back the next time and wants something else. And dare you refuse? Oh, don't you remember when the first time you did X, Y, and Z? And I could just go broadcast that on blast and let everybody know about it. So these issues then are held over your head for a long time and this web traps you and catches you because of the compromising behavior. And because of all the compromising behavior, now there are all sorts of lies that have to be created to cover the tracks. So you thought you were doing one thing, which wasn't a good thing to do. Now you're caught in a web of lies and also other compromises that others are expecting you to engage in because after all, you did say yes to the first one. So the devil never talks about the fact that this is a trap and that it doesn't go away. 
So what we want to remember is that lack of integrity multiplies and it grows like a cancer in the body. And the more advanced this cancer becomes, the more you get embroiled in it, the more difficult it is to treat. Until in some cases, the cancer becomes so rampant, it takes over the entire body and in essence, kills the person. So we don't want to be getting as close to the edge as we possibly can. We want to stay as far away from danger as we can. I remember when my father and I went to the Grand Canyon. It's very beautiful, very beautiful place. And I had no idea what I was really going to see. But to see this gigantic, huge hole in the ground, deep and steep, and you can walk all around the rim of it. There are no guardrails. There are no fences. And we were there during all kinds of weather. So sometimes it would be fogged in. You wouldn't even know that you could fall off the edge of the cliff as the fog was sitting there. Or sometimes there was snow. Other times it was clear, pristine and beautiful with the sun shining. And some people, as they were taking their photographs, you know, over the years, they would get so close to the edge every year. People fall off into the Grand Canyon and die. Now, my father and I, we were wiser than that. We managed to keep a good distance between us and the edge as we took our photographs. And that's how you want to live your life. Yeah, the cavern is there. The danger is there. And you want to be not on the edge where you might accidentally fall off far enough away from the edge that you don't fall off. So when we think about honesty and integrity, it is choosing and deciding each day in your life that you will make each decision and the next decision according to what God has already said, according to his word. That's how Jesus fought the devil was with the spoken word, the written word that God had already given. And we can do the same thing because the devil always twists what God says. It's not exactly accurate, just as he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. So we have to know what God says so we can refute what those temptations are and stay as far away from the cliff as we possibly can. Part of it is also keeping our minds in the right place keeping our hearts centered on God and keeping our hearts centered on what is God's plan for our life. So as we close out today's segment, I want to read a scripture that comes from 1 John and it's the second chapter and it starts with verse 15 and it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, The love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever.
You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.